So if it's Advent, if it's the beginning of the church year, if it's the time of expectation and waiting for the coming of Christ, the first coming and Christians often talk about the second coming, the kind of the return, the culmination of everything, the true restoration of the world that we long for. Why on earth are we in the apocalypse? Why did we get this reading? Those of you who are not regular church attenders, we, most churches around the world follow a thing called the common lectionary and we're given a reading, a set of readings for each week. And sometimes they're really good and sometimes they're really not much fun at all. And this is one of those. And why would you get that on, the, on New Year's Day, which is essentially what the first Sunday of Advent is? How do you prepare for the end? Well, it's actually a really good question because um, all of us need to, obviously. The, 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 the end of the world is going to come for each of us individually. Um, hopefully, quite some time from now, for some of us really small ones, hopefully ages away. For some of us who are a little bit closer to the end, it might not be that far away. So preparing for the end as best we can it's probably good advice, isn't it? What needs to be done and what needs to be fixed up? And as Richard said, climate change is the great apocalypse that our culture is still finding it so difficult to face, to really deal with and to pay attention to. It seems like the existential crisis that we, we all somehow have to do something about, but, but we know at the same time that just recycling our plastic is not going to cut it that we have to do something collectively and we don't know how to, we're, we kind of feel paralysed. Um, a number of you here I know uh, live in the hills and in the hills at the moment, um, well actually today it was throwing it down with rain and really misty where I was, but um, we've had some already hot days and you have to have a bushfire plan if you live in the hills and one of the things you've got to do is get a box with the important stuff in it that you can throw in the back of the car when you decide you need to be out for the day. What needs to go in the box is a really sobering experience. My house, like yours, is full of junk. I got stuff everywhere. But the box is only about this big. It's got my birth certificate, my passports, a few other bits and pieces, a couple of photos, although these days most of my photos are on my devices and you know, on the cloud somewhere. Uh, but it's just a box that big. But I have to prepare and I have to think about what needs to go in there uh, at this time of the year. What's really important? That's probably a good thing to do at any time of the year, but on the first Sunday of the year, in the church year, that's a, a really good time to be thinking about it. You're supposed to expect the unexpected, which I've always found totally bizarre. Like, how, how can you possibly... If you expect it, it's not unexpected, right? Or is it just me? I just never understood that advice. And, and that's what we get in this story, this... If the owner of the house had known what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and wouldn't let him in. Yeah. Well, I know that's not the point. The thief doesn't come. When, look, you can't expect the unexpected. It's, it feels like a tautology. But there are other ways of thinking about this text. And one of them is the idea where it says there will be two in the field, one will be taken and one left, Two women will be grinding meal together, one will be taken and one left. The word taken and left 
are actually really difficult to translate out of the original language, the original Greek that this was all written down in a um, little less than 2,000 years ago. And one, another way of reading is that you could say one will take or accept or receive and one will reject, let go or not receive. Like it's, it's as if something is coming towards you and you can receive it or you can reject it. And I reckon given the time of the year that it is, it's probably really interesting advice. Because it's about what's worth having and what's not. And with Christmas coming and Friday being, uh, uh, we've, invent, we've inherited another American tradition, sadly, uh, uh, and that's what, uh, Black Friday. The idea that you need to have this massive sale just before Christmas uh, around Thanksgiving, which we don't particularly celebrate, uh, the Americans uh, do. And, and w but I've noticed on my um, internet feeds and everything and in the television, Black Friday, it's another thing we've invented, which has kind of um, ramped up the Christmas experience. What's worth having and what's worth not having at Christmas time, it's almost impossible to tell. Everything's covered in buy this, buy that, have this experience. Christmas has got to be a wonderful time and the only way to make it wonderful is to buy all this stuff over here or do this with your wonderful family. Even if your family's not wonderful, somehow all this stuff will make it wonderful. And we know that's not true, but it's hard to sift out what's worth receiving and what's worth rejecting. And it's even more difficult because this year, will be like any other year. This year, which we're starting now in the church calendar, will never, has never happened before. Everything is different now than it was last year. You cannot assume the same things. In fact, you and I are different. We're physically different people. Our skin has become, it's completely been renewed about four times in the last year. I know it doesn't look like it if you look in the mirror. You just need a different mirror, that's all you need. But it's true. In fact, even your brain, what we're learning about brain plasticity is that your brain, the old adage, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Well, first of all, you're not a dog. And secondly, it's rubbish. We can. In fact, the brain is constantly evolving and changing and, and malleable. And, and e at, even at the latest stage of life, you can do things that change the physical nature of your brain. So nothing stays the same. So this year we're about to enter is completely unlike any other experience. So it is sort of like expecting the unexpected. And we know how to prepare for the worst. I know how to prepare for the bushfires by getting my box together. And, it, and I can't assume the best. I can't assume that everything will probably be alright as I hope it will be through this summer. I do need to put stuff in there assuming the very worst. Everything is gone, what can I not live without? Well mostly the people I love plus a bit of paperwork. But the other thing about Advent is it's about preparing for the best. It's about preparing for the story that we read every year of a little baby born in a shed in the back end of nowhere. And talk about unexpected. The little baby was born in a culture that was longing for freedom and deliverance and a king who could change everything. 
That was their whole story. In fact, if you read the Psalms that Richard read to us earlier, these poems, we've got a whole book of them. And so often they're longing for a change, longing for this king to come and change everything, particularly in this day when Jesus was alive because they were under the heel of the world's largest superpower at the time. They were expecting a king and the story we get is a baby. Not just a baby, but a baby born in a shed. And we've got the story of the wise men who say, where is the baby who is born king of the Jews? Have you ever thought about, why the heck do they need to ask that? Where is Queen Elizabeth? Well, if you're interested, you could look on the royal orders and find out what she's, you know, what horrible things she must do today to open a fate or some, you know, whatever it is that she does in, in her hats and so on. You could find that out. She's not hidden. In fact, the entire purpose of the royal family is to be public, to sort of be a, a, a version, hopefully the, the idea is sort of the best version of who the British people can be and turns out the Australian people too. Why would you have to go hunting for a king? It's all completely unexpected. And it's a story of promise in the midst of chaos. The reason we, the story tells us that Jesus was born in Bethlehem is because the superpower was manipulating people and pushing them around, using people as pawns to get them in one place or another for one political idea or another. Luckily, we don't live in that kind of culture, do we? Because we've never, our government has never done that sort of thing of moving people around just to suit a political entity. But we can sort of understand it just reading the newspaper. And not long after Jesus is born, the story tells us he has to escape as a refugee. This is not the story that you want to hear at the beginning of Advent. The story of it's all going to be wonderful, it's all going to be fixed up and it's going to be the way we long for it to be. A world of freedom and justice and peace. But the story does tell us something extraordinary is born in that moment. And it's really easy to miss. Babies are hopeless. They can't do anything. All they do is take. They will die without constant attention every day and every hour. We've got a new baby with us today, Victoria uh, and Nick's little, little girl, and, and she needs attention all the time. There's, all there is in this story is potential. So we begin a new year under the existential threat of climate change, which, let's be honest, you don't have to read too many people to discover how difficult it is to have hope. Bill McKibben, probably one of the greatest writers on climate change at the moment, is basically in total despair. He said in, in, in an interview um, with the Times newspaper two or three weeks ago promoting his new book. And he's a man who knows, follows the, the science. We are in this existential crisis we're all in our own, if you like, existential crisis that our life is so short. It's not going to be that long before somebody is talking to a child and looking at a photograph and saying, the child will say, who's that? And the person will say, oh, that's your, that's your great aunt. You know, I can't remember her name. 
your great uncle or your grandfather's great and that'll be us we'll just be that strange looking image in a photograph from long ago it's so short that our own if you like apocalypse that Richard read is is not that far away how do we have hope in that moment well this story says there's a story about a baby that actually infiltrates the culture and so changes it that people are renewed and restored and grow in health and strength and also in the story there's this magical moment where angels turn up whatever they might be in the story they turn up and they say peace on earth and goodwill to everyone that's why we call it good news and because we're heading up to Christmas you could totally miss it again you could totally miss it because it's such a busy time and time fraught with all sorts of possibilities and hopes and we could miss it but it's there again if we're willing to grab it peace on earth and goodwill to all people so be it